Thank you, Gail. Did anyone talk about the weather yesterday? We had an event uh, in the park. Was it going to go ahead? It was very windy. It went ahead. It went ahead and it was windy. And last week we had a church barbecue. We thought, well, we'll push it back half an hour because, you know, it's going to rain. But then it didn't rain. <laughs> it rained half an hour later. <laughs> yeah, who likes talking about the weather? It's a great British pastime. We talk about it all the time because it is interesting because it's always changing. But we can't control it. As Lawrence just prayed, we are influencing the weather. It's man-made climate change that is increasing the temperature. We're seeing record temperatures in Europe and at the moment and, and so on. We are influencing the weather, but we can't control which way the wind blows or whether the sun shines today or not or when it shines or not and it's the same with God we can't control God God won't be put in a box Jesus says that his spirit is like the wind wind blows where it wants Now, you can harness the power of the wind, and we need to do that more with wind farms and so on. You can harvest the power of the sun as well through solar panels, but you can't control it. And we can't control God. There's someone in this passage that Gail read to us that wanted to control God or have God in his pocket as it were he was a magician now he wasn't a magician that you might invite to a children's party pulling a rabbit out of a hat or doing a card trick he was a sorcerer he was involved in the occult and uh, people were really impressed with him his name was Simon Simon the sorcerer Kind of works well, doesn't it? And uh, he was able to do signs and wonders. Back in the Old Testament, there's a story when God sent Moses to Pharaoh in Egypt to set people free, to set the Hebrew slaves free. But Pharaoh said no. So then God brought some plagues upon Egypt. Some signs and wonders took place through his servant Moses. So, for example, he had a staff, and he put it down on the ground, and that staff became a snake. But the magicians in the court of Pharaoh said, that's no problem, we can do the same thing. We can put a staff on the ground, and it will turn it into a snake. We do it through magic. And then Moses turned the river Nile into blood, and they said, no, that's no problem. We can do the same thing. We can turn the river Nile into blood through magic. And then Moses brought about a plague of frogs. And they said, well, we can do the same thing. We can bring a plague of frogs. And we can copy these signs and wonders. 
But then it went on and there were other plagues, gnats and flies. And, and they said, we can't do that. This has gone beyond our power. This is the finger of God at work. And they acknowledged their limits. They had signs and wonders, but when they saw the signs and wonders of God, well, they said, this is greater. And that's what Simon the sorcerer does when he sees the power of God working through Philip. He recognizes something greater than the power he has. I wonder if Simon the sorcerer were to come to many churches in the UK, would he think, oh, wow, you're more powerful than me. Have we got a little bit scared by things that are powerful, things that are supernatural, and we've backed off from them? I think in the West often we have done that. But what that's done is created a vacuum and it's left signs, wonders, the supernatural, weird stuff that we can't explain. It's left it in the hands of the occult. It's left it in the hands of New Age. And people are fascinated with it and the church has become a bit less spiritual. <laughs> But the truth of the gospel is that there is greater power in the name of Jesus. Simon did it for his own ego. He told everyone how fabulous he was and they believed it and they went around calling him the great power of God. But when Philip came along, he didn't do it for his own ego ego. He did it because the Spirit was sending him. He didn't speak about himself, he talked about Jesus. He didn't preach the good news of Philip, he preached the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. church went through a hard time in the early days here. See, it really grown exponentially. Like thousands of people all gathered together in this city, Jerusalem. And the apostles who were in charge found they just couldn't cope with it all. And so they appointed other leaders to do some of the practical jobs, like seeing, seeing that everybody had enough food. So they were all living in communities. And, and they appointed seven men. One of them was Philip, who we read about here, but also one of them was called Stephen. But Stephen stood up, he was a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of power and boldness, and he spoke, to, but then he was killed. He became the first martyr of the church. And then from then on, there was a great persecution. And the church was scattered. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but all the others were scattered. And so Philip was scattered, and he ended up going to a place called Samaria. Now, Jesus had said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, they hadn't got to the ends of the earth yet, but they were venturing into Samaria. Now, for about a thousand years, the Jews and the Samaritans had kind of been hostile towards one another. And so it was an interesting 
new venture that God was bringing the gospel to the Samaritans. It's a bit like Pembury and Paddock Wood. So, oh, we don't speak to each other. Or Tumbridge and Tumbridge Wells. But actually, God was working in all those places. And guess what? He still is today. Philip went, and he was actually vulnerable. He was at risk of persecution himself. He'd gone, he'd been scattered. And he went and proclaimed Jesus. We hear of leaders in the political and world, in the media, who we think, when we find out stuff about their personal lives, it, it seems disappointing. We hear of people in the church, Christian leaders, national Christian leaders, international Christian leaders, very charismatic, very gifted people, but then we hear that their hearts aren't right. And their character doesn't live up to the gifts that they have. It's really important not to be wowed by people who are on a platform. They're just human beings. We all are. Philip goes and he doesn't go for his own glory. He speaks the truth of the gospel. But then when Peter and John hear that God is moving powerfully in Samaria. They think, well, we want to find out about this. And so they leave Jerusalem, go down to Samaria. When they get there, they find that people have been baptized in the name of Jesus. They've, they've believed. Simon the sorcerer is one of them. But turns out they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John come along and lay hands on people and then they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some people take this episode in the book of Acts and they say, well, that's great because that's what we do in our church. We baptize the babies and then when you get a bit older, we confirm you. You go through confirmation classes and then you get confirmed. And then the bishop comes and lays hands on you and then you really receive the Holy Spirit. Other Christians will say, no, no, that's, that's, that's not what we do. We're more like Pentecostal. So you can believe and you can be baptized, but what you really need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need the second stage. And other Christians would say, I just don't know what you're talking about. This is one episode in the book of Acts. But two chapters later, Peter is sent to the Gentiles who were the non-Jews. And when he goes there, he starts proclaiming, the, talking to them, and they receive the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. So that happens first to them. And then after that he says, well, since they're good enough for God, we, we should really, I guess, let them be baptized with water. <laughs> so it happens the other way around for them. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, it all seems to happen at once. In the book of Acts, God works in different ways, at different times, among different people. He is not limited by our constructs, by our theology. 
I went to theological college. And uh, when you're studying theology, you, you, you tend to look down on people. You think, oh, I know more than you. And, uh, and, and if you're somewhere like where I studied, you, know, you, you might think about TV evangelists. Oh, terribly, you know, terribly crass. And uh, I'm going to mention a name. Uh, I'm going to mention the name Benny, Benny Hinn. Um, because Benny Hinn, I thought, oh, Benny Hinn kind of talks, can preach the prosperity gospel. I've heard him speak that. You know, if you have enough faith, you'll be rich. If you just give me money for my, for my ministry, then you know, God will bless you. And in our theological college, we thought, we're not sure about Benny Hinn. But one of our students broke his back in a car accident. And so we said, well, we're not going to see him for months. Poor guy. We prayed for him. And then just a few weeks later, he was back in college, and he seemed fine. And then he stood up in chapel. He said, well, what happened? We said, well, I was lying in hospital, in the bed, and I felt God say to me, switch the TV on. Put it on God TV. As he switched it on God TV, Benny Hinn was there. And he says, someone has just changed the channel and turned over to this channel, and God is going to heal their back right now. <laughs> and my fellow student was back in college just a few weeks later. God healed his back through Benny Hinn. <laughs> Someone's theology might not fit with yours, but God will still use them. God doesn't seem that fussy. God works in different ways among different people at different times. Your experience is valid. Your experience is fantastic. And God is moving in your life. But don't judge yourself, as Patrick said earlier, and don't judge others. We can't control God. We can't put God in a box. But we do have to get our hearts right. This episode of Simon the Sorcerer is really, really interesting. Because you see, when you buy something, when you pay for something, you own it. Now, I, 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 I want to own something so I can then do what I want with it. And what he wants to do, when he sees Peter and John laying hands on people and the Holy Spirit comes on them, he thinks, I want to do that. I want what you've got. I want your gift. How do I get that? I know. I'll give you some money. He wants to buy the gift of God. And Peter says, may your money perish with you because you're trying to buy the gift of God. Now, who knows, you can't buy, a, you can buy a gift for someone else. I know that. But when it comes to getting a gift, you can't buy it, can you? It's a gift. A gift is free. What do you have to do when a gift comes your way? Take it, receive it. I didn't earn this, I don't deserve it. Take it, receive it. We can't earn the gift of God that is salvation. We can't earn the gift of God that is his grace. We can't prove ourselves to be worthy enough. We can't pay for it, whether through cash in our pocket or through good works or whatever. 
Your heart is not right, Peter says. Your heart is not right before God. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your wickedness. And pray in the hope that God may forgive you. The psalmist says, pray that God won't judge me and won't perish, uh, make me perish. We don't know what happened to him. <laughs> but we have this episode as a warning. I believe God is wanting to say to us, receive. Those who believed in the name of Jesus, being baptized, what do they do? They then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands. Now, laying on of hands is something that we see in the Bible. It's what Jesus often does when he's praying for the sick. Uh, when we're commissioning someone, we might lay hands on them. Now, I'm just going to practice this on Carol for a second. When you lay hands on someone, you don't need to press really hard. You just gently, maybe touch them in a safe space like their shoulder. Why do you need to do that? Well, you don't need to do that. Because God's not limited. God's not to be put in a box. But it is biblical. As we lay hands on someone, apart from physical touch being a powerful thing, it's an impartation of what is in you to them. And what is in you? Who is in you? The Holy Spirit. As you pray for someone and you pray that they would receive from God, you're praying from what is within you. Who is within you? It's an impartation. It's a transference of God's anointing. And so laying on of hands is a biblical thing to do. And that's what Peter and John did here. But it isn't a magic trick. And it doesn't have to happen. But God can choose to work in that way. So I want to ask us to pray now, actually. Um, again, just like to step out of the comfort zone a little bit. If you're visiting with us, or you just, this is unfamiliar to you, and you think, this, I'm not sure, don't worry, please. Um, just relax. Um, and um, I would like to invite anybody who would like to receive prayer to either stand or place your hand in the air. Um, and I'm going to speak a prayer over you, but I'd like those in the vicinity who would be willing to do this to get up and pray for those people just by laying a hand on their shoulder gently. So, what would you maybe want prayer for? You might want prayer, as we prayed earlier, Tom was, was leading us. You might want prayer for healing. You might want prayer just to know God better. There might be some issue you've got that you just, it's between you and God. You might not be having an utter crisis, you just think, I just want more of God. It really doesn't matter. It's great to receive. God's will, I believe, is not just that we have a one-off experience of receiving the Holy Spirit, but that we go on receiving the Holy Spirit. And I'm utterly convinced he has more. And as I come here every Sunday, 
I'm always excited about what God's going to do. Because there is more. And every week there is more. And I'm not turning up to church thinking, same old, same old. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you going to do today? I can't control it. I can't put God in a box, but I say, Lord, this is your church. Have your way and do what you want to do. So if you'd like to, if, it's going to take a bit of you know, bravery on your foot, but if you'd like to receive prayer, either, either stick a hand in the air or stand up. You can do that now. Um, so, if you're in the vicinity or not, you can walk all halfway across the church if you like. Would some others be willing just to come and gather around these people and just lay a hand gently on them? So get up out of your seats, please. One or two, and you think, oh, I'm not going to do that. Yes, you are. <laughs> right. We need some other, one or two others to get up and lay hands on people. Somebody pray. Yeah. So, Lee, you could lay hands on Tina since she's sorted. Someone come and lay hands on Chris, please. And Midge here, would someone come and lay hands on, on Midge? Don't jump over the seats, don't cause yourself an injury. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Andrea. So, if you're laying hands on someone, please don't pray out loud, uh, don't try too hard. But believe that the Holy Spirit in you is wanting to minister to this person because that is what God is like. He wants to bless people. And just believe and we'll just wait in God's presence. And if you're stood for prayer or you put your hand up for prayer, don't try too hard. Don't pray even. Just receive, just relax, because God loves you and he's with you. He knows what you need. So I'm going to speak a prayer. Father, thank you that you're here. We bless what you're doing. The Holy Spirit, again we say, come. Would you move mightily in our midst? Take authority in Jesus' name. Lord, your business is to set the captives free and to bring light in the darkness. Lord, you know the cries of our hearts. Holy Spirit, come.